Hello everybody, welcome to the Legendarian Green Team, put together by fans and supporters of the Legendarian Podcast. I'm the Solution, but I go by Soul, and I'm joined by Chesky. Hello. And I'm also joined by Eridandis. Hey guys. And Eridandis is learning to be more like Ethan and less like Machiel. Today's episode is Winter Steel, and there will be spoilers, so this is your warning. We're going to be starting with a quick recap, and we're going to dive right into it. So. We start out with Linden literally learning to consume people for power, thanks to North Shredder. Uh, Ethan shows how good he could be, and then how much it is to bribe him to not be that good. Mercy has an outstanding showing against Sapphire, but unfortunately she does not go up to match against her. And then Malice is a malicious daughter, and we get to see a little shame on Mercy, so I feel a little bad for her on that. Ruby visits her crush, Linden, the Point Sage. And before she is incorporated with Liren, and they become an overherald, and she cleans up the tournament, defeating Sofara. Fury advances to Monarch. Yeren kills Sesh with penance that she won from the tournament. And Linden kills Sofara and three other uncrowned, I believe? Maybe two other uncrowned. And then he manifests the Void Icon. And then Ithan does the double advance dance to Arc Lord and holds off the Blood Sage. We end the book with the gang assembling their cloud ship fleet, and they're going to sail off to Sacred Valley before the Wandering Titan gets there first. Okay, so that's your recap, and um, let's let's just jump into a favorite scene. So, Chesky, do you have a favorite scene you want to talk about? Oh, uh, geez. I have a lot of favorite scenes that I'd love to talk about, <laughs> but if I have to name just a couple of them... Just a few. Uh, just a few. That's, I, I guess I'd, I want to start with... Linden um, taking control of the Akura point gathering group when he <laughs> goes to the Wandering Titan and he realized that there's a benefit here beyond just he can practice and he can train, but he can actually like achieve and earn things. Yeah. And then it was just nice to see him be confident and skilled and take charge where most of the time he's like, oh, I'll let other people take control. And, you know, mm-hmm. I pull out the stops when it's, you know, my life's on the line or my friend's on the line. And this time he's like, oh, no, we're going all out. You guys go over here. You guys go over here. I'm going to go over here, meet back here. And then, you know, it just was nice to see his his competency really shine in that situation. Uh, yeah, the point stage is a it's a really fun section of the book. I like that. Like you said, he originally didn't even want to be the leader of the group. He tried not to do it. He pushed it on to Pride. Pride is like, no, you need to step up. OK, if they made you the leader, you need to be respected with that position and do it. And eventually you even see Pride semi-complimenting him and the team starts to trust him by the end. It's really nice. It's nice to see. Let me add on to that because I agree, I agree with both of you that that's actually probably one of the better better parts of the book. Um, it does show some of Lyndon's personality and it also shows kind of a little bit of what's driving him right now. Like he's just, he's not satisfied with where he's at. Like he's always, he's, he's pushing himself and pushing more and instead of kind of fading into the background he's going for it right so um i kind of i kind of agree with both of you and i thought it was a very nice touch that kind of there's that whole meta narrative of hey what what happens when you're in a video game and you like get access to like this tournament and you get all these points you get super excited and you plan it out right so i i like that (laughs) so so i I agree with both of you all right eric dandis do you got a favorite scene you want to talk about um yeah, I'm going to go with uh, uh, less of the combat scenes right now. 
uh, okay. go go with uh, some of the, I guess, the quieter moments, such as they were in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, Malice's conversation with Yaren, um, when Yaren is down to the final two, and this is after Malice has already humiliated Mer- uh, her daughter Mercy publicly. Right. And Malice is saying, I'll give you anything you want, you name it. I'll even make you like a daughter of mine. And Yaren kind of shoots back at her. Yeah, like being your daughter is such a great thing, like after what you did to, you, to your actual daughter. So I love that scene because it shows a little bit more of Malice's personality and her shortcomings. And it kind of, it really kind of displays Yaren's, um, Yaren's stubbornness and independence and you know, I'm going to be myself no matter what. So right. I, I like I like that I like that that non-combat kind of scene that that gets a little bit more of people's personalities. I agree. That's a that's a good scene. Uh, I think it definitely fleshes out Malice a little bit more, even though we don't necessarily like her, but <laughs> does. Well, you don't have to like someone just because they're doing what they feel they have to do. That's true. To to stay there, but I I liked what you were saying, Era, that uh, it shows that. Yaren really wants to stay true to who she is, which is like directly related to her her overlord revelation. That was a nice, you know, kind of sim- semblance there. Yeah, yeah, right. uh, yeah. It, it was nice. Uh, Soul. I do have okay. So I'm gonna do the double combo where it's a nice, sincere non-combat scene, immediately followed by a cool combat scene. It's when Ethan is finally real with the game, and he. You know, he talks to them, and they're like, we want to see you go all out. And he's like, you know what? Okay. And he's just, he has his little stopwatch, and he does a nine-second fight against a monarch that is suppressing herself to Underlord level. And Aerodandus, I know we were in the group chat, and he was talking about this, and he's like, this is a prime example of skill versus, dare I say, arrogance and uh, inexperience, but you still have the power. So both are peak overlords, but the other one has more skill than a 15-year-old girl who's a monarch. And it was really cool to see. Hey, can I emphasize that? Because the book makes this point explicitly. Okay. Um, this is from Ethan's point of view. It's in Chapter 3 um, when he's getting ready to uh, uh, fight the monarch, right? Mm-hmm. And he knows that, that basically the monarch is going to be the perfect level of, of Underlord, like the maximum ability, can do everything perfectly. And not only that, she's got like one of the most OP powers in the game where she can basically make you use your power against yourself. Yeah. Here's his quote. There was one reliable way to, de- to defeat an opponent with superior raw abilities, skill. And that, that comment preceded the nine-second beatdown he, he gave to the monarch. So, I mean, I, you guys know I've been harping on this for a while, but... Um, <laughs> I love the fact that, that it was brought up several times throughout this book um, that skill beats skill beats power, skill beats power. That it was brought up again actually when Z, uh, Z- Zeal or Zyel was yeah. uh, getting ready to fight um, later on in the tournament in chapter 14, um, mm-hmm. where he's talking about where he's thinking about himself and he's getting ready to fight. I guess the, was it one of the Stormlords? He may not have the power of an Arthur anymore, but there's no substitute for skill. That's right. Yeah, he has a lot so, of knowledge. So, so there's a lot of discussion about you need to have skill on top of the power, which I'm so gratified to finally see that kind of coming out. Um, 
finally. So yeah, I think this uh, tournament. Right, this tournament has really showed that, and I think quite a few of the fights where it's not necessarily about power, although that's a big factor, but skill is very important in these last sixteen fights, or the round of sixteen, whatever. Yeah, I think uh, an excellent part of that is when Yaren has to fight uh, Yan Shomei, mm-hmm. and just the the difference in skill where Yaren has trained and everything, but she's also trained her blood her uh, her blood bond right. Versus yeah. Yan Shomei, who just kind of went the other route, where it's just a beast, and she gave yeah. it exceptional power as a beast, but that's kind of all it is. So, yep, I I agree absolutely, and uh, and I like uh, because it goes back to what we talked about last book. How um, we all, I thought we all agreed that you know if it came down to a matter of who's the most skilled, Yiren should win the tournament, right? Um, because we all we all assumed, uh, rightfully, I would say. That Ethan <laughs> was going to uh, find a way to not win, yet somehow come out ahead. So definitely, um, yeah. So you know, so so I thought that that whole it was projected to be this way, and I'm glad. I'm this aspect of the book, I'm gratified it came out that way. Yeah, sure. I honestly kind of thought Mercy might take it, the <laughs> tournament, just because we've seen her skill, and it is, you know, an exceptional skill that she has, but. You know, just with the pressure and everything, I'm, it worked out the way it did, and that's fine. But I was kind of thinking it was Yaren or Mercy, and you know, I was disappointed that Shamiara did not get disqualified, but did Ethan <laughs> just whooped her? You know, I was expecting her to like break her seal in the fight. Right, it didn't happen, and I I was wrong. That's okay, but uh, I was still okay with it. Yeah, in a sense, she was practically disqualified going up against Ethan, who was who could have won the tournament easily, but he he. Th- you know, he threw it, which is fine. He got what he wanted out of it, which is really nice. And since Ron Ethan, I kind of want to talk mm-hmm. about both, kind of both ends of it because I love the part kind of right after he beats down the monarch. Like yeah. all the mo- all the other monarchs are going, wait a minute. <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute. They're all, all of a sudden they're... They're like, that yeah. was a monarch. <laughs> yeah, they're all, paying atten- they're all paying attention to Ethan all of a sudden like, wait, how good is he really, right? And that's yeah. what sets him up for the for, to getting bribed to throw the match. So again, Ethan, look, full disclosure, I thought he was the star of Winter Steel. I really, really do because it was equal parts like humorous, but then him also kind of being serious and cutting loose. So I kind of like that, you know, and him being able to establish more trust with the other the other members, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I love the part where then when he kind of comes in, he has to throw the match. He so obviously throws it. I mean, He's so obnoxious about it, but it's hilarious. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was yeah. so obnoxious reading him walk out in his silk streamers and the like, the wind flowing oh. in his hair. You could like see it, and he's just like, "I'm here to fight." And then you know he just like dies, and he's like, "Okay, well, let's do it twice." You let's know? do it again. Comes back. You know, I no thought clothes. he might put up like token resistance, but like, no. nah, nothing. No. I love that. Yeah, it's preceded right by the the nine second fight. That's what's that's what's so great about it. And the way he lost, it was done in such it humiliated his opponent so much. Right? It was such a humiliating way to like it was very obvious to everybody involved. Yeah, the Ethan could wipe the floor with him if he wanted to, but he was, I give up. Do what you want. So yeah. <laughs> uh, Actually, we are going to be doing a retrospective episode. That'll be next. And I want to talk more about Ethan and 
we'll get into that there. But we'll save that for that. There's some series discussion I want to do with him. Okay, can I, I mention have... one more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Eric. My yeah. mind's going to be quick. I want to mention it's not necessarily a favorite scene, but something I did like that happened in this book is mm-hmm. that the author made a point of trying to develop, give you some development of more characters throughout the book, including opponents and enemies, right? So you get some of their insights so mm-hmm. that they're not just cookie cutter, um, ooh, bad guy pulling a mustache. Like they have their own motivations and their own reasons. And they're, yeah. I mean, and they're good reasons, right? So I like that there was some development of, of the other characters in the story. Go ahead, Jessica. No, I was just going to say some of my... Uh, favorite scenes um, were about, you know, Pride trying to like hint to or tell Lyndon that he was good enough to marry Mercy when yeah. that's like not even on Lyndon's radar. Lyndon and then like, Lyndon what? and Yaren, no. yeah, and then Lyndon and Yaren trying to go on a date. And oh, they get to the hilarious. place, and you know, there's somebody's taking their seat already, and they're like, Lyndon's like, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll go find somewhere else, and. Yaren's like itching for a fight in the middle of the tournament. It's like, we want food. Uh, we came here. <laughs> so I really like those. And then I liked that Ethan's min-maxed ship. That's what uh, I think of it as, you know, it's th- the th- maximum that's what it gain is. for the, Definitely. yeah. Uh, it just like fits perfectly with theirs. And that just, yes. you know, it's kind of like, it's the start of like, they're a family and they've been a family for kind of a while, but this is kind of like the solidification of it that like, yes, Lyndon and Yaren are kind of together, and Ethan's there with them, and, you know, they're not going to break apart anytime soon. Yeah, I think that's true. Like, now that we see that we have literally three cloud ships, two were formed together already, but one now formed in the back. <laughs> I think I think it's pretty cool to see that they're all going to go and do that. And you got Zeal right outside. Their, his cloud ship's going to follow along, and they're going to go to Sacred Valley, which is pretty cool, I think. I like that. I do like that Zeal's now, at least at least for now, a part of the, a part of the team. He's... Yes. Temporary he's my favorite. Yeah, he he he's my favorite late addition uh, to the game. Yeah, Zeal is very cool, and I do actually want to plug one of his uh, his short stories. He has in an anthology of Zeal, and it's about twenty thirty pages. It goes into some of who he is as the, I believe the Dawnwing sect, how it went down a little bit. You don't get a full POV of uh, the Dawnwing sect going down, but you do get some. Uh, some cool scenes in there, so I would recommend that if you get a chance. Yeah. Well, I'm curious if if Mercy, and this might be more for the retrospective look forward, but I'm mm-hmm. curious if Mercy will come with them as well, or if Mercy will be stuck with her family and have to... St- for, for the Sacred Valley for next book, or for... Yeah, huh? for next book. You know, I'm not I'm not she's sure. been part of the crew for a while. I definitely think she'll try to stay, but you're right, I think this this has now taken a bigger hand in the Akura politics. And she may, may get pulled away. I didn't think about that. I may want to make a prediction on that later when we do that in the predictions. Okay, um, I do have one or two other favorite scenes of mine I want to point out. Uh, more of a serious one is Lyndon calling out Dodgy when Dodgy attacks him for, like, I don't know, the umpteenth time uh, that he killed his brother. And Lyndon specifically says, I'm tired of apologizing for defending myself. And lets him go yet again to come back and ruin the day again later. So I think Lyndon is growing, not that in a bad way that he's like going to kill Dodgy because Dodgy's obviously going to keep coming back, so why not just kill him? He's letting him go again, but he's, he's sticking up for himself verbally as well and you know, trying to point out that everybody just keeps trying to kill me and I just, I just want to live, so you guys should stop that. So 
all, and and I would point out that that after the beatdown he gives uh, everybody, Dodgy bring brings forth in Winter Steel, that uh, Dodgy's allies were like, "Leave him alone. We want to live." Right? <laughs> yeah, so, you're endangering us by attacking. But, yeah. Even even Miera, the one who was in love with Dodgy's brother, is like, "I'll take care of him. He won't bother you again. Like I'll do my best." You know, even yeah. she realizes, like, "Hey, you know, we tried it, we failed." I don't want to die, so I'm not going to fight you again. <laughs> right. I think in this world it's a little bit easier to accept because everything is might makes right. So when the guy that they picked a fight with and beat them multiple times comes back, they're like, maybe we should stop picking a fight him. Maybe maybe we won't die that way. And I think, you know, they're starting to realize that. But, you know, hot-headed 18-year-old kids don't really think too far in the future. So I guess it kind of pans out that Dodgy would keep coming back. So, um, okay. So I have... Mercy telling Lyndon when they were trying to cheer each other up was that uh, Lyndon is the guy who punches a hole in the sky. And he says, you know, if he can't do it yet, he'll come back in a few years and he'll do it. And then congratulations to Aerodandis for successfully calling this. I want to say at the end of Skysworn, book four, that Lyndon will become a void sage or something like that. And guess what? That was incredible. My, my draw dropped when he said that i tried not to spoil it i was trying to like even double down on that not happening so they wouldn't suspect it would happen and it did he called it linden goes up and punches a hole out of the sky so what do you guys think about that scene good scene and when i first read it i was a little confused because everybody in our team is doing things that they shouldn't be doing you know yaren's becoming an archlord or an an overlord herald Linden's yeah. becoming an Underlord Sage, which we've been told really only happens when you become an Archlord, you know, and right. they're this all messing like everything up. But yeah, it was really cool and nice to see that he can see himself how others actually see him now. Like, he's an unstoppable force most of the time when he really sets his mind to it. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, yeah, I would say that, that once, I guess, once I realized that a sage is not a part, a linear part of the progression. It's something you get along the way. And usually you get, in retrospect, I think you get Archlord. When you get Archlord, you have enough insight about yourself that you can kind of figure out, like, you know, whether or not you can be a sage. That's kind of, I think, what's implied. Um, yeah. so, so I did like that. Um, it was not, basically, I guess I was right on the what he would do, but not, kind of like not how, because I think I kept on mentioning it had something to do with the pure Madra, and it didn't. Right. Um, not, or at least not directly. But um, I thought the way it was done was, was nice. Like, it was, a, it was a proper expression of Lyndon's true personality. Yeah, and great callbacks to the first book. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Chesky. I was going to say, I had one more thing about that, just that you know, right before that point, I was kind of worried that Lyndon wouldn't advance at all. Mm -hmm. You have Ithan, who's advanced two stages. You've yeah. got Yaren, who's advanced a stage and like a, a half. weird stage, right? Like, yeah. she's just weird, but Lyndon stuck at Overlord, or Underlord. And mm -hmm. So I was just afraid that he was just going to be stuck behind them again and then have to catch back up in the future books. But I like that he's kind of put them all at different stages but they're all kind of leveled off at the same time as well. They're all different, you know, unique strengths. Right. Yeah, this is not just standard uh, advancement path that they've been following. So it's, it's nice to see that branch out. And, and just to clarify, I want to make sure we're kind of, I understand that we're all on the same page. 
-hmm. it's my understanding that to get to sage, you require some deep insight about yourself, right? Which is what um, Glendon achieved. And then you need the requisite level of power, which is kind of where Iken's at. He's at Archlord, right? Um, But then in order to become a herald, you need to absorb your remnant or your other self, like in a contest of wills, right? That's how you become a herald, which is what Yeren achieved. So it's kind of like you put the three of them together and they they would have all reached the stage of a monarch, right? Because Mm -hmm. I understand it. A monarch, you need to be, you need to have attached yourself to an icon, like either you're a sage or you're the equivalent thereof, and you absorbed your remnant. So it seems to me that they all have bits and pieces to become a monarch, or Chesky's shaking his head. So. Chesky, Chesky saying, has a I, I don't think okay. so, because I'm thinking the to be a sage, you have to yeah. have to have the requisite connection to an icon, yes. and the icon is just kind of like a symbol. So you have dragons, swords, the void, you have the and then you have to have well. yeah, or strength, yeah, and then you have to have public perception of that as well. So like, if well, Lyndon wasn't, yeah. That, that's specifically for a sage, though, right? Like you're talking just for the sage. No, just for sage. Right, just correct. For sage, yeah. Right. So yeah. wherever you are on the advancement scale, underlord, overlord, archlord, mm-hmm. you have to have. It's no. There's no insight about yourself. It's more about your connection to this idea. So Fury is he's connected to the strength one because he's so strong, and people mm-hmm. perceive him as strong, so he can use the strength one. You know, people perceive Lyndon as like the end of their journey or the all consumer. And so he can tap that once he kind of connects himself to it. So it's it's both your personal connection to whatever you're trying to connect to and the way people perceive you connecting to it. Harold, though, yeah, absorb your own remnant. And then Archlord is just the next revelation up after what you are currently. Yeah. Monarch, like, yeah, all three minus the sage plus the sage a little bit. I don't know exactly how that works. Uh, yeah, I think... attachment to the icon. Yeah, it's like, mostly about the icon. That. Yeah. Because yeah. we know the well, sage is um, like the sword sage. You don't have an icon for a monarch. No, because that, that's how Fury becomes a monarch. Because he had te- he's been waiting. He knows he can attach himself to the strength icon anytime he wants to. And then in, this, in the story, he connects the strength icon, and boom, he becomes a monarch. So in my, I thought... that's what I think it's trying to be said. Mm-hmm. I thought it was more of just a revelation and that he was waiting on that again, something else. Okay, so you have to have an icon to advance to Monarch. I I mean, I'm actually split. I don't think it's clear enough, or at least spelled out enough for us to know specifically for that, but I think, I think I'm leaning more towards eras that it's, you have to have an icon. Um, I think it's something you could easily hold back and choose to do at a certain time like uh, Fury did because you can do the icons in weird ways that we're still learning. Like the winter sage is connected to the sword icon, not just the ice or winter icon. And we know that. So she's not the sword sage, she's the winter sage. But if the sword sage wasn't around at all, Tim, Timaeus, <laughs> the meme name, sorry, Tim, the sword sage, then she could have been the sword sage completely. So I think that is just interesting. I think it's just, like you said, it's mostly about the icon. I don't think you have to go too far into it, but you do have to have a deep level to it. That leads me to an interesting, I guess I'd like to ask you guys. Uh, so okay. it's my understanding, there's there's an essentially an unlimited amount of icons. It just depends on kind of like what you connect to. That's how I understood it, at least. Um, okay. Yeah, I think so. I think it's more like the aura. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> and and it, se- and it seems like Yiren has an imperfect connection to the sword icon, which to mm-hmm. me implies that her actual connection is to something close to and or related to the sword icon. So I was curious as to what you guys think it might be. I'm, I'm kind of surprised she didn't get, like, strength, because she's always been very strong. Her steelborn iron body is incredibly strong, and it's always been hinted that Yes, while deadly and sharp, she's always been very strong for her advancement level. And I assumed it would be something like that, especially like Crusher. Uh, Yan Shomei's Blood Shadow is what they said, the embodiment of strength. Almost to where that Blood Shadow itself is either tapping into the strength icon or somehow connecting to that a little bit. Because it's an embodiment of strength. And Yiren is very strong, similar to that, so... I assume maybe if she doesn't touch the sword icon, I'm going to actually say strength icon. I think, I think I'm going to have to say, and this might be controversial, but I think she'll get, I think she'll get the sword icon. She'll yeah. just not be the sage of the endless sword. And I think part of it is just because she's remarkable in touching it at underlord and overlord. And I think the only reason Linden can touch it and acquire it successfully is because of the heaven and earth purification wheel, which basically preps you to do sage authority type stuff. It trains your willpower to do it, basically. Whereas Yaren is never, you know, her cycling technique is not as intense. Oh, I think that's, I think that's why she just, just not really for her at this level. I think if she achieves Archlord, Herald mm-hmm. status, I think she'll probably go Archlord and then immediately into true Herald. Okay. Um, so I think when she hits that, she'll be just fine connecting to the icon. Or they'll just, because she'll have all three, skip straight to Monarch, potentially, at the same time as everybody else. We'll so. see. It might have to do some small amount of uh, cycling or whatever, getting your body ready or something like that. I don't know if they'll be able to go straight mm-hmm. there, but maybe, I don't know, half a book, a quarter of a book. Right, right. I, I don't expect them to honestly go straight to Monarch, but I could easily mm-hmm. see her achieving Archlord, and then since she's already achieved her remnant going to Herald and just being a true Herald. I do think that she's not going to have one or the other. I think she'll get both, by the way. I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear. I think she'll get the sword icon, but she'll also get probably the strength icon. Okay. Sorry, that was a little too much in the predictions. I apologize, but we got into it. That was fun. (laughs) No worries. No worries. Um, I think I have one or two more favorite scenes, just tiny ones. Uh, Little blue on a tiny thousand, uh, thousand mile cloud. Really cute. That was a fun little scene. Um, chasing, he's doing his remnant work and just kind of going crazy while she's just flying around. Uh, Dross whispering threats to Linden's friends while they sleep is definitely my favorite Dross moment of the book. <laughs> uh, Linden breaking into the tournament, that's, uh, that's, that's always fun too. I like that. That's what I got. Did anybody have yeah, any I other like, ones? No, I was going to say, I agree. I like that when Linden broke into the tournament just to kind of say, like, hey, you can do this and, you know, you know, he knew he wasn't supposed to, and they keep getting mad at him, and he's like, yeah, it's fine. They'll just figure it out. Like, I'll just yeah. drain the lock, and it'll open. And mm-hmm. But just showing, you know, that he's there for her. And I think just because they've been separated basically the whole book, and he's just like, hey, I just want to okay. see you and say, hey, I'm here. Like, you got it. I went it. through, what, nine months in the previous book of not seeing her? So, yeah, he misses her. He wants to spend more time with her. It's pretty cool. All right, so let's get into our least favorite scenes. I know we all have a few. Uh, not as many as our favorites, I'm sure, but we do have some. So, Eridanus, why don't you start us off? 
Sure. I got two, and I'll, I'll keep them brief. Uh, one is the general pacing of the book. To me, mm-hmm. it was too much, too fast. Like, this book was a payoff of the last two or three books kind of all shoved into one book, and there was, like, revelation after revelation and, like, you know, cool, like, moment after moment, and it's like, any one or two of those moments would have been enough to climax one book. And now he just kind of put them all out there in one book. So, I mean, yeah. I was kind of exhausted by the end of winter still. I'm like, all right, fine. They got all this stuff. I'm kind of done with it. So that was one thing. Uh, definitely. Pacing. Um, the we, other we can talk one... about that a little bit. I, um, okay. I definitely agree. The pacing is a little weird. The tournament itself being split into two books. I, I definitely agree that needed to happen whether maybe we should have cut some of the time training that first uh that first book in an uncrowned not to cut it completely obviously we still need that nine months of training but maybe cut some of those scenes and maybe reorganize the tournament a little bit maybe they stop at the the round eight or something i I wasn't sure what he should have done i'm not the author i didn't choose to pick these scenes but i feel like you're right the pacing was a little weird yeah Uh, yeah i also had smaller i had issues with the pacing as well and i don't usually notice it so for me to notice it means it's it's mm-hmm. noticeable at least. But I felt like some days you'd be like, it'd be like a day and a day, and then it'd be like three weeks later, and then a day and a day and a day, and then three weeks later. And that just yeah, did mention that. It just threw me off a little bit there. I feel like the but... tournament wasn't clear either. Some days or some, some uh, events and rounds were like, oh, yeah, you get a month. And like, I was not aware we were going to get a whole month. Or, oh, yeah, you're fighting tomorrow. And I'm like, that. You just had like a month. What what is going on? I'm not. The consistency was a lot. Uh, especially since they made a uh, they made a point at the beginning of you guys need to hurry this tournament up. Right. Yeah. I thought they would cut down more on the training and be a much faster pace book. Yeah. Go ahead, Chesky. So I was gonna say I was gonna say something. I think that he could have done. Like I think this book needed to be split in two. I think because it's it's longer mm-hmm. than a regular book than yeah. we're used to at least. And so I was just like, I think if he had split it in two, it would have been good. And he, I don't know if he just maybe didn't want to, or he doesn't feel comfortable, but he could have just moved it. Like, here's the tournament side. We're going to watch yeah. Yaren and see everything from Yaren's point of view. And then the other book is going to be the same time frame, but from Lyndon's point of view, you know, just him doing his things. Now, maybe he doesn't want to uh, do that because he wants them both to interact more with each other. And, yeah. you know, I feel like I that would be that a weird... Like yeah. book eight, it would have been cool, but I don't know if it yeah. really fits the story. That's all, right? Yeah, and especially because he's done that before in a different series of his own, where he has two different perspectives at the same time. Eric, what do you well, think? Well, well, what I would say is, I'll go back to what I said in the last book. Had you taken the first half of Uncrowned and modified that and put that into Ghostwater, I mm-hmm. think he would have had more room uh, just to work with between Uncrowned and Winter Steel to accomplish yeah. kind of I think what we're all kind of discussing. I mean, I'm not unhappy with it. Uh, it did irritate me a little bit, but this is still a lot of stuff tied off of plots that I wanted to see happen, so I was okay with it, but the pacing just wasn't there. Sorry, my second thing, which is, this is a pet peeve, so I'll just <laughs> say it and then we can move on. That's um, okay. I'm completely, totally done with the biggest looking hobo is the most powerful person. I'm just I'm completely <laughs> over it. Like, North Strider looks like a homeless man and is like, what, the second or third most powerful monarch. When Linden starts training, he's completely disheveled and, like, you know, wild-eyed and hadn't bathed in a week. I mean, Always. look, you know, mm-hmm. you, can, you can 
study hard and work hard and still have time to take care of yourself a little bit. So that's all I'll yeah. say. That's it. Go ahead. Move on. So, so you like Ethan, who who studies hard and works hard and yeah. takes care of himself. Make sure that hair is beautiful, hey, has some you, volume. You know, <laughs> you guys say I should be more like Ethan. I want you. I want to note, like most people can't see, I just took a shower before this podcast. My hair is yeah. nice and smooth. So his hair is immaculate right know. now. Yeah, Ethan so would be proud. Just want everybody to know. But there you go. There you mm-hmm. go. Um, okay, this isn't my least favorite, but it could go here. Uh, I think, obviously, Lyndon lost to Yaren, but I right. think if Yaren had somehow just had that, that coin flip loss, I think Lyndon would have gone all the way as well because he does kill four of the uncrowned, four of the eight uncrowned competitors. That's, that's right. You yeah, know what does. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. This wasn't addressed in skill, like when I mentioned skill, but mm-hmm. the one thing that the author did that I like, you know, um, Lyndon is going to face uh, Yin Xiaomei. He had fought a combat simulation for 72 times or whatever the number was, yeah. right? We're like, talking oh, hundreds of some of them, like, yeah. He knew how to fight each one to a T because of the Dross battle simulations, and that was the, the author made a deliberate point to say, hey, look, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Lyndon's not just sitting on his butt having Dross right. do his predictions. He's running through it himself as well. He knows. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, save. Okay. For me, I want to say Ruby. Now, it's not that I don't like Ruby as a character. I actually like her as a character. My issue is that Ruby got character development way too late, and I feel like she should have got some development, possibly even starting from, like, Ghostwater or Underlord. And really got us to know Ruby before just like what we get like one little mini vacation with her and Lyndon and then oh you're gone. It was like we were just starting to get there. It was pretty cool. And there were hints earlier. I feel like he could have done some more hints and let Ruby out before all this happened. So what do you guys think about that? Uh well let's see. What do I think? I liked Ruby. To me, does the blood shadow she felt more just like Yaren's kind of baser instincts without mm-hmm. the care. Um like she goes up to Lyndon and she's willing to like be with him and like next to him versus Yaren kind of being like, Oh, I'm afraid of what people think, or I'm afraid of my own people have perceived me. And so I kind of like that. She was just that, like kind of the instinct part of a uh, Yaren. Right. And, you know, I, I do kind of think maybe, I don't know if she could have gone all the way back to ghost water, but definitely after they ascend to underlord, I think we see hints of it, but I think it could have started much earlier and then, you know, yeah, at least an uncrowned, at a minimum. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think, Era? And the author actually does a, a credible job here where whenever the Blood Shadow's out, regardless of how the Blood Shadow's acting, Yiren always acts, responds with revulsion. Her initial thought's always revulsion to reject it. And then mm-hmm. she goes back and she thinks about it, and she's like, wait, the Blood Shadow just took care of the animal, didn't hurt it. So I would have, yeah. so to your point, and just to agree with you, I would have liked more scenes like that kind of leading up throughout previous books, leading up to this moment in Wintersteel. Right, showing more humanity of the Blood Shadow side. Well, I think you have to remember that this is, like, the first Blood Shadow to ever have these kind of feelings that we've ever seen, that anybody's ever seen. Because none of the other Blood Shadow, or none of the other Blood Mages have ever done the exact same as, as Yaren. Right, she's new. Well, like the, the Sage well, no. of Red Faith. I was about to say, so the Sage of Red Faith, he actually did the same thing. His problem is, is that he had a he has a selfish 
vindictive personality. And that's what got him turned into the blood shadow. And the blood yeah. shadow was like, screw you. I'm going to go do my own thing. Right. Yaren's blood shadow was imprinted with her personality, which was more selfless, more I'm trying to protect others. I'm trying to be yeah. a guardian for others. And so I think that, that the person's personality matters. Um, I mostly agree with Chesky. I just think one other person has tried it. It's just that he was a yeah. fleet word. And so, yeah, yeah. he was, he was <laughs> not save that for an explicit podcast that'll never be released. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think he definitely tried it too late where Yaren had been cultivating it the right way for longer versus him honestly, doing it one way and then kind of changing, I think, but I don't think, I don't think it actually matters because the personality of the, the Sage Red Faith, I don't think even if he tried it at like Underlord or Overlord, the, the people that get into the, the Dread God cults, I know they try to humanize them a little bit in this book. They even gave a perspective, I believe, Callan Archer, I think his name was, where he's saying like, okay, this is a good way for poor people who don't have the, uh, the money to advance quickly. It gives them an opportunity. I'm like, okay, that's cool, but you're still feeding off of uh, the, the miseries of, of uh, collective people out there. And I think those kinds of people don't really attract the ones that go really far, like the Sage Red Faith. I don't think there's going to be too many that are as nice as Yiren, even though she's kind of stubborn. I don't think they're yeah. going to have the compassion that she does. Well, I, you brought up the Wandering Titan, and I was going to say, you know, getting that perspective of the Wandering mm -hmm. Titan priests and priestesses, yeah. you know, they seemed a lot different than the uh, the, 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 the Blood Faith Blood people. Phoenix, yes. The, the leading Red Phoenix Moon people, Hall. right? That's what it is, they, they just kind of set up shop and then they just kind of like sit there and harvest its essence, you yeah. know? And yeah, they do a little bit, but they're not like, Oh yeah, we're going to go just straight up and out and murder everybody that we meet. They're like, no, we're just going to take over here. We're going to set up our base now. Yeah. yeah still bad, but I think definitely of a lesser. lesser I pictured them more like uh, storm chasers or something like that, where they're just collecting rain as it's like, Oh, here's a thunderstorm. We're getting out our bucket and we're just going to just keep setting up a bunch of buckets. And there we go got some water um, yeah totally so that's what i had does anyone have any other least favorite scenes they want to get into before we get into some important parts uh, regarding the book and series no okay so i want to start off with um we'll go we'll go to the ba basics yiren is now an overlord herald i feel like we touched on that for the most part already um Ethan is an arc lord so what do you think his revelations are? Do you think we're going to get them? Do you think it really matters? Um, he's now an Arc Lord. I thought that was an interesting way to get there. He just did it right before lunch one day. Yeah. Well, that was that was just to Overlord, I believe. Correct. Because he yeah. had to wait for Rigan Shen, at least. But it was nice to see that this over the Overlord, Underlord to Overlord, is not like, you know, an hours-long thing. It's just, it can be quick if you know it. Like, you have to take your time to search for it. Mm-hmm. And I think it plays like Eridandis and I were saying that uh, you know you have what you are currently, or like why you started, you know who you are now, and potentially you know who you are going to be as your three Lord revelations. So yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I like I, I like I kind of doing it. I, if I had to guess, I think becoming an Arch Lord has to involve. Because what we learn, well, let me backtrack. What we learn in this book is that Ethan, um, he has two goals, as far as I can tell right now. He mm -hmm. wants to uh, follow Osriel, right? Yeah. And he wants, Definitely. and he wants to kill the, and he wants to kill the dread, right? Yeah. That that's that's what he and wants. And Shen. If I had to, if I had to guess, given what we know of Ethan's personality, he likes to be in control. 
he likes to kind of like be the the chess master, right? So I mm-hmm. think being an arch lord, if we, if I, if it ever gets revealed, I think it has to do something with him being in control or being the grand master or being like the the one can, the, the the puppet master of the show. So that's what I think. If I had to guess, what it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I don't think we're gonna see it just because we didn't see his. Uh, we never hear his uh, revelation to us dance to Underlord. Yeah, and it's nice to have kind of one mysterious person. You know, we see Lindens, we see Yarens, we've seen Mercies, but mm-hmm. Ethan's kind of being a mystery is still kind of nice. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think we will find it. I think maybe at most Linden may struggle getting one of them or something, and Ethan will drop a line that's similar, it's like "Oh, mine's kind of like this" or something. I feel like that's all we'll yeah. get. And I do like that I can um, look. It's, it's kind of like, oh, good. Everybody's tough to me here. Let me kind of go ahead and like, I've been waiting. I mean, he, he did mention this. He's mentioned this repeatedly. He's been waiting, He's right? Like, I've so, been waiting. Yeah. So I, I think, if I had to guess, this is a very, very small prediction. I think I can may struggle with his sage, trying to find a sage thing. And that'll kind of like be the one thing that, that he's waiting on to achieve monarch status. So, okay. Oh, and I'll, I'll and give I, you and a I, hot take for that. We'll, we'll save it because I got a I got a prediction as well. We'll save that for the end of the predictions yeah. for Ethan. Okay. But definitely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Linden, our last of the the main crew, is an Underlord Sage. Kinda. Maybe. I don't know. It's a it's a little bit weird. But we'll find out more next book. So. All right. So the biggest part I want to talk about is um, Sacred Valley script. We learn and uh, Tim which is a meme. His name is Tim on the, the subreddit. And Will decided to name him Timaeus. And that's the Sword Sage. So we learned that the Hunger Madra, so first off, Sacred Valley Script has Hunger Madra all throughout it. And it affects Soul Fire and Authority. And Subject 1 is Father of the Dread Gods. That's what we learned. Yeah. So That was kind of chilling to learn. Yes. Sorry, yeah, yeah I interrupted a little bit. I didn't mean to. That, that no, was no, chilling to learn that there's there's a father of the dread gods and well you know kind of mm-hmm. thought that maybe earlier but like hey it's there and it's under sacred valley right like oh boy yeah yeah it's definitely interesting it, it makes more sense when you get that why the akura has this labeled as an off-limits area for anybody and uh yeah so i feel like we're gonna get into that obviously with a uh, bloodline in the next book but knowing that helps people kind of figure out i think just well, you know, it kind of explains most of it, I think. Mm-hmm. I was going to pose a question to you guys. This goes sure. into my a little bit into my prediction slash important parts, but who who really knows what's under Sacred Valley? Do yeah. do the monarchs know? Okay, Aridandus knows. Aridandus knows. <laughs> he, he's raising his hand, so I feel like he's smiling. He's definitely. All right, so, he definitely knows. Okay. I, I think that I think there's two people who 100% know. Osriel and Elder Whisper. Okay. Yes, 100% agree. Okay. So, just, yeah. I mean, Out, we know outside that, I mean, yeah, okay. As you say, you know, they know it's an undisclosed location, but mm-hmm. when they're talking about the dread gods and stopping the dread gods, they're not, they don't like at least kind of hint at even to us a little bit like, oh, yeah, we know why the dread gods are making their way over towards Sacred Valley. You know, it's just like, oh, where's the dread god going to go next? But this time, you know, when we get that dread god's perspective, we know why it's going back there. And that's just kind of like, so who does really know? Did Tamias the Sword Sage know that there was something under there? Or did he just know that the labyrinth is a good place where he can have the script ceiling 
uh, Yaren's yeah. Madra to take the blood shadow out. I guess we'll see. I think I actually I think he didn't know. I feel like he should have known, but I don't think he did. Well, who knows when it was sealed away? And if it's been sealed away for two or three monarchs, then there's no no way for the current ones to know or remember that. Yeah. Do you think Osriel sealed it away, Eridandis? Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good theory. I like that. Yeah, no, I definitely think, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think he sealed it away. Um, okay. Speaking of Sacred Valley, we have an Orthos and Jai Long team-up, which is going to be interesting. Uh, any thoughts on that? I feel like it's going to be fun. Finally get a little more uh, Dragon Descends before we get the main gang coming back for the reunion to uh, Sacred Valley. So I feel like it's going to be cool. I'm hoping that's the prologue again. If not, I totally understand. We might come into the aftermath of that. I'm not sure. I, I want more Orthos. I want my Orthos back. I know. We, get, we keep getting teased. What do you think, Era? Um, I don't mind seeing Orthos. I'm kind of done with Jailong. Um, so unless he's had some type of development or change in his personality, I mean, I that whatever. We'll see. But I mean, I'm uninterested in Jailong oh, right now. 100%. I, I agree he's uninteresting. I'm hoping that being in Sacred Valley, where he's obviously got his power level lowered, and his sister being around his sister, who is now healed and growing, I feel like hopefully we see a personality shift to the better. And being around Orthos before Linden gets back, I feel like hopefully that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, maybe it could go bad for tension in the writing, but <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll say this: I'll be that that would be fun. That is related to Jai Long. Is what is his sister's mantra? Because she kind of got a mixture of everybody. Yeah. So. What does she end up getting? That 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 would be interesting. That I am interested in finding out. I was I was also kind of interested to learn that you can retrain your iron body. Yes. Right. So Orthos he retrains his sister's Kaisa's iron body because she did it naturally, and you know that's imperfect, and so he's able to to fix that with her, and so that's that's an interesting thing. So he maybe because the power level kind of suppresses you, you're able to fix those things. It could, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Um, I was actually going to put that in my least favorite scenes, and I forgot. So thank you. Uh, I feel like that was a retcon. And I, <laughs> that I was what I was going to say. It, it felt kind of like that with uh, what I've heard yeah. online. But uh, yeah. I think it was an okay retcon to put in. It doesn't really affect a lot of things. Yeah, it's not. It's not the worst, especially because our main gang is so far above that. It doesn't really matter, even if it just gives Kelsa a chance to catch up or something. But still. It's not a big deal, but it is just just a little needle jab that just kind of annoyed me. I didn't really like that, but interesting nonetheless. Okay, and then, okay, so here we go. At the start of this book, Linden connected to Dross through the way. Does Northstrider open the portal, or did Linden force it open and then Northstrider continue to let it open? Did you? What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I get a lot of different opinions when I talk to people about this. This would be when North Strider is trying to steal Dross. Correct. Quote, steal, and then he finds that Linden is still connected to it. Did, did North Strider completely open up the way for him? Or is this the first sign of Linden almost kind of touching some icon in the way to kind of open that path? What do you think? Chesky, you want to go first? Oh, sure, Chesky, go first. Yeah, Chesky, what do you think? Um, I think... When I think about it, at first I kind of just thought it was Norris Strider just testing Linden to see if mm-hmm. Linden would give him up. And I think now 
that it was partially Lyndon touching that void icon and being able to kind of like either keep it open or mm -hmm. prevent him from severing it completely somehow. And then that sparks North Strider's interest in Lyndon again. That's what I think. Because I feel like North Strider just didn't really care for him. He was willing to take Dross completely away from this guy, even if it harmed him. And then Until he's like, after oh. that. Right, right. As soon as that happened, he's like, okay, this guy's kind of like holding it together. He might be interesting. Someone worth paying into. I'll, I'll, I'll disagree on that. I don't think he touched the icon or anything like that. What I think North Strider noticed was Lyndon's force of will. Like, mm -hmm. his willpower and his determination. And I think, if I had to guess, North Strider saw some of himself reflected in Lyndon's personality in that point. Oh, wow, this is a person who will not give up. And so I think North Strider said, all right, he's interesting. Let, let, me, let, let me let him in now. So that's yeah. what I think happened. So, yeah, I think he picked some interest. I'll disagree. I think he did touch something in the way, but... I, I also don't think it's relevant anymore. He's, I don't think we're going to come back to that scene, but it's interesting. I, I, I no, but we'll see. How about to say, but, but I do think uh, um, early on, like I was nodding my head, thinking to myself, <laughs> yeah, uh, Lyndon had to get something out of, out of losing the tournament. And being trained by a monarch is a pretty good, uh, like, you know, bonus. So, yeah, that consumer so I think it worked technique. Out. Yeah. Half the consumer trained. technique was made for him. Eridan is called this also. Yeah. Like uh, Black Flame, Sky Sworn. He's like, oh yeah, he's gonna. Oh yeah, after Sky Sworn, because that's when he got his his hunger magic arm. But he said he's gonna have something where he just starts draining people. So he did. He got another one. Uh, you know what? I want to listen to Aerodanus predictions at the end because he seems to be fairly decent at these. He's gotten a few wrong, but he's also gotten a few right. Yeah. Well, well, book two we got the ancestor spirit, and we knew we know about Linden's kind of drive to, to just do whatever it takes to come out on top. So, yeah. And once we knew there was a second ancestor spear, to me, it was like, put the pieces together type of thing. So mm -hmm. it was fun the way it came together, though. So Okay. Yeah. So one more important thing I want to talk about is Aethon uh, and Regan Shen's deal. Now that Aethon is an Arc Lord, how much more support do you think we're going to get from Regan Shen, especially now that the tournament's over and they killed Sesh? So you're thinking zero from Aerodandis and yeah. uh, zero as well. Yeah, I feel mm -hmm. like that 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 deal is done, and yeah. uh, that's all they got out of it. Which I that's, I still uh, feel he did good though. I I feel like Ethan even addresses that. He's like, I got uh, Reagan Shen to promise to advance me to Archlord, but I bet he didn't think it would only take one shipment. You know, because he yeah. knew he knew what he needed to get out of it because he knew by the end of it, it's it's too late to get anything else. So. Yeah. He front-loaded his payment. Okay. All right, and then uh, Lyndon and Little Blue bond. So that, yeah. I'm actually a little confused about this. I feel like this is kind of similar to uh, Yiren and her blood shadow, just a tiny bit. Like, what, what is this? So what's going on? Is this part of his spirit? What is going on? Is it sacred beast? I'll let Era go first. Go ahead, Era. This is, this is the contract he had with Orthos. He has two different cores. So he can okay. have a contract with one sacred piece, oh. Orthos, and then Pure, he has another uh, contract with Little Blue. That's why he's able Got to it. have two contracts. Yep. Okay, I understand. Pure Madra isn't pure anymore. It's technically... Right. It's like a cleansing. 
Yeah, but it, okay. I mean, it's basically still pure. It's right. just not at the same time. Yeah, it's slightly changed. And I knew that altered it a little bit, but I wasn't sure what was going on, if it was just a contract to his whole being, or if, okay, so it's to his pure core, or was his pure core. Got it. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, which I have to say was super cool, and, like, I was excited that, like, I love Little Blue. She's just, <laughs> like, a cool character, and now he can actually kind of understand her, which everybody else has been able to understand her, except for Lyndon, of course. And right. You know, I like that. I have a hard time picturing her a foot tall. You know, I kind of think of her just, my image in my mind is not the right image that he's trying to portray. It's true. It's like more like Tinkerbell, like super tiny um, or from something like in Way Kings, I won't spoil anything, but a similar character to that. Well, I was about to say, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with the Dresden Files, but she reminds me of one very specific fairy who's like attached <laughs> to uh, the main character throughout the series. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. It's, it's the male version of, of, of her. So that, that's what it kind of reminds me. Yeah, that's true. Okay. All right. So I think we are ready to move into predictions. What do you oh, guys, you ready? I was going to say one more one thing. One more thing? What do you got? One more thing. Sorry. Okay. Uh, kind of brushed over it when we talk about Lyndon consuming some of the Dread God. Mm-hmm. That he knows oh, right. that it's like Sacred Valley is their home. Like, yes. It's not just that Subject 1 is there, who is potentially their father, the father or their right. thing, which I think, do we know a hundred percent it's the father or just, I believe I did bold it and I'm pretty, I could be wrong, but I, I'm like 95% sure. Uh, subject okay, one that's... is the father of the dread gods. Cause I bolded it to make sure we knew that. That's kind of what I thought, but I just wanted mm-hmm. to make sure, but like that it's their home. That's where they came from. So what, right. what caused them to spread out and why after all this time, are they finally starting to come back? Mm-hmm. Cause you know, they don't always wander towards Sacred Valley. They'd have reached it by now otherwise. Yeah, they could, they could have went in. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's there? not forget, let's not forget, Machiel set everything in motion. Okay, yeah. let's not forget, this is all planned out by Machiel, and we actually see a hint of this again with the Hound at the end with the Erin, where he's like, you gotta use penance, you gotta use penance. And yeah, she's like, well, I'm picking set. I'm picking Sesh. So he looks into the future, very obviously, to see whether or not he can convince the King of Dragons to ascend. And that's when he sees, oh, wait, ooh, I'm going to get Nathan. I'm going to get Linden. I'm going to get, like, uh-uh. Yiren. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. He's going to get more. No, what he sees is that more <laughs> than, we'll get to it, but he sees more than one person ascending if Sesh gets killed. That's what he sees, okay? Oh, yeah. I'm not telling you he, under, I'm not, let me clarify. I'm not saying that they go to the Abaddon, but he sees multiple people leaving Cradle. Yeah, he wanted a favorable right. outcome, and the, the best choice was to let Linden, or I'm sorry, let Urin kill Sesh. Right, yeah. right. I agree. All right, so yeah, that's the home of the Dread Gods. Very interesting. Um, Eridanus, do you have any predictions? Why don't you start us off, if you got something? Sure, sure. Let, let, let me shoot fire first, and you guys can tell me why I'm wrong. All right. I like, <laughs> I'm going to go with some wild theories as well, so don't worry. I'll be shooting lots of fire. This is my first chance. All right. Time. Here, hold on. All right, so I have three predictions. All right. Okay. Prediction number one. Um, the author's pretty pretty clear that the name of the book is a hint of what's going to happen in the book, right? Right. Next it's called book Bloodline. Is called Bloodline. Um, and we know that bloodlines are created through sacred beasts intermingling with humans. We learned this, I think it was either in Black or Smith. I forget which one. Um, mm-hmm. So we know the Elder Whisperer, the fox from book one, 
some type of connection to the Wei Shi clan, specifically, yes. but like hit that their their little group in general. Um, and so I think that Elder Whisper either has already intermingled with the Wei Shi clan or will intermingle with the Wei Shi clan and will provide a bloodline power. I will also give a prediction as to what that bloodline power is. At the end of Unsold, during Serial's prediction, we see um, Elder Whisper, like, kind of looking to see what's going on. And there's, here's a quote from the end. He is soundless, scentless. His presence masks both sight and spirit. He is an ancient sacred beast, one of the original inhabitants of this valley. Keep, keep that in mind for later. And he's only seen when he wishes to be. So I think that that ability that I'm going to call it a superstar power, it's the diametric opposition to Ethan's power. And I'm going to predict that Osriel would want someone like this on a team he's trying to make. He'd want somebody who can completely drop off the face of the map, map not be detectable, not be detectable by Machiel or by anybody else. Um, so that's, I predict that Bloodline, we're going to see Linden attain this kind of super stealth power. Okay. Are you thinking this is a dormant power that he already has, or that we're going to get into it during Bloodline, <sighs> the book? So I'm going to, I'm going to predict that uh, Bloodline is unaffected by this script, so it's going to be created during Bloodline. Okay. I like your theory. I kind of want it to actually already be dormant and maybe something during Bloodline releases it, but that'll essentially be the same outcome. So either way, I think it's pretty cool. Okay. Uh, you said you got three, so hit us with that second one. Okay, prediction two. The script around Sacred Valley will bring our heroes down to gold and or jade level pretty quickly. They'll need to find a way to break the script to release what's being held in order to fight all the Dread Gods. Um, mm-hmm. And specifically because Icon's going to want to kill, kill him some Dread Gods. Definitely. Um, at that at that point, our heroes will all advance to Monarch in some way to fight these dread, god, dread gods, and at that point, they will end up ascending. In other words, I'm, I'm predicting that Bloodline, if it's not the last book, it should be the next to last book on Cradle itself. So you're thinking Monarch status during Bloodline. So you're thinking this next book, we're going to get them all to Monarch. Well, if it doesn't happen this book, I think the Dread God fight's going to last at least two books. Okay. That's fair. I mean, he did make the tournament two books, so that's reasonable. I could I could see that happening, especially because it's it's at Sacred Valley, and that's the start of all this. I could see it easily being the end as well. My last prediction has to do with the path of the White Fox. I think we're going to find out that that is a really really kick ass um, um, matter or power. I think mm-hmm. we're going to see Lyndon's sister use it. Um, just as a reminder, we know that um, I can. It can create illusions, like really believable illusions, because Lyndon has said that, oh, my, the illusions for my clan are so much better than what everybody else has made. Um, right. So the striker power is creating illusory flames, purple flames. Uh, Enforcer is kind of like a displacer cloak where you can't really see where they're at when, when you're fighting them. Mm-hmm. And three, uh, the third one, the ruler power is you can make illusions around the target, kind of like a dream magic thing, like we saw in Underlord. And the Forger powers, you can make copies of yourself, kind of like Naruto does in, with his power and his anime, right? That's, yeah, it's namesake is the, is the anime. It's, it's in Naruto. So yeah, I, think, anyways, I think that's so, pretty cool. So you think, you think that uh, not just Black Flame and Path of the Twin Stars and everything, we're going to get the Weishi, what's it called, Path of the White Fox? We're gonna, Path, Path of the White, White Fox, Fox is going to be a predominant player. 
I think it's going to be a big time player. And I think once you get to underwater status on it, you can infuse the power of soul fire and make the illusions real or more. That's real. a good point. Yeah. We, we haven't gotten to see soul fire being attached to any uh, illusions yet. Yeah. So I think the most like we've that. seen is we've seen Juvari, one of the, one of the dread God ones, right? I think so. Where she is the mind hallucinatory one who is going to possibly bring down so far. They weren't sure. And instead, so far, I just, blows her up with a bunch of fire. Yeah, doesn't matter where your opponent is when you flood the entire arena with, with fire. Yep. Yeah, that'll do it. Alright, I like those predictions. That's pretty cool. Uh, Chesky, what do you think? Any uh, predictions you got? Yes. I okay. have predictions. I got right. some. Let's see. Uh, I don't think they're going to kill the Wandering Titan. I think it's just going to be too powerful for them at this level if Multiple okay. monarchs together couldn't kill the Dread God. Mm. I don't think that they'll be able to weaken it. You know, yes, fight it off. Yes, of course. I think potentially that the 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 Dread Beasts maybe in Subject One. Subject One is just so so different in style than the Dread Beasts. Kind of just the, the Dread Gods. I mean, so right. I wonder if maybe Subject One is something different. Maybe it's something from the from the Vodoshier, kind of like right. a little sub implant to like take things down later. Okay. You know, I don't know. I think Linden will get to Sacred Valley and he will blow that school off the face of the <laughs> earth that he went to for a day and a half. It just just uh, wave goodbye as it fades into the distance. I think it's we not all gonna want that. survive any longer. Yeah. Um yeah. and I think they'll all kind of level off at around Archlord. Sage, Archlord, Herald, you know, kind of an area. Okay, you're you're thinking, yeah, what Linden oh. probably get to Archlord and <laughs> yeah, Linden will go to Archlord, Archlord, Sage, Ethan will go to Herald or be close, and Yaren will probably go to Archlord, Herald, Mix. Okay, and then I don't think that they're going to advance into the Abaddon. I think if they do advance off Cradle, they're going to stay away from Abaddon. Not like 100%. They'll still be allies, but not part of the structure of Abaddon. Interesting. I, I, I could see that happening. I think, Arrow, you feel the same way. I think you're, they're not going to do that. I think you've mentioned well, that uh, I, I like Chesky's idea, but I'm going to differ just a little bit. I think they'll start off with the Abaddon, mm -hmm. but I think at some point, Osriel's going to contact them surreptitiously, and then they got to make a decision. Are we going to hang with Osriel, are we going to hang with uh, the Abaddon? And I think that, I think the connection, their connection to Osriel is going to take him over to, 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 to him. So, so like I'm in agreement with Chess Yeah. Your time well, yeah. Right, mm -hmm. right. That's fair. Yeah, I think that's, that's true. I don't think they're going to join the Abaddon like forever, like to get to serial status or they're a judge. Um, I think maybe as a small prediction, Ethan's Marble of Azrael. Also pro possibly maybe a uh, radio or some kind of transmission device that once they get off they can contact him and Azrael wakes up from a coma that he induced himself or something or whatever he's hiding from and uh, either meets up with them or gives them directions and a directive to either infiltrate the Abadan or something like that. Okay, so I have a few predictions. Um, I think Malice is going to die and Mercy is going to replace her as a monarch. And Mercy is not going to send with the Cradle crew. I think that Ethan is going to get 
a oracle or a future icon because that's really like relevant to his his personality so i don't know what word or verbiage that kind of icon would be in the way kind of like how void is the unsold or something like that i don't know what it would be i'm thinking future sight or something similar to that i don't know what that would be called like a time and, icon or something like that like an yeah. hourglass yeah, yeah that's awesome i like that yeah that's pretty cool yeah so i'm thinking that okay so i have a little out there one i think whisper was packed it to osriel and is watching over subject one i i have a tough time seeing it just because <laughs> there's okay. absolutely no clues for that at all well, like I said, it's a little out there, but we know in my head that Osriel is somehow, you know, you know what? I don't, I don't have any reasoning for it, but I think it's going to happen. I think that's what it is. I think that Osriel is connected to, to, to Whisper, and Whisper is looking over Sacred Valley, and he's like, yeah, I got my director from the, the big guy. He's, maybe he's got a marble. Maybe we'll see a marble. I don't know. I don't know. I think Elder, I think Elder Whisper is definitely, like, uh, removing the scripts. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking arch lord type of power. That that's my opinion. So oh, at the minimum, yeah, minimum arch. That, I mean, at he, least he's a complete like you know just ready to rip someone's head off type of sacred beast. Um, so whether he's bonded with Osriel, that's interesting. But I think he certainly knows Osriel and has worked with him. I think I think Whisper would have to be above arch lord because he's the only one theoretically in the whole world who notices the time rewind. In the first book, that yeah, that is a good point. Because um, none of the monarchs, you'd think the monarchs would have noticed that and been like, "Hey, I mean, maybe they wouldn't have brought it up because there's nothing to like bring up." Like, "Hey, do you remember that one day that time rewound? You know, eight years ago, you know, or, or three years ago?" But what if? Uh, okay, well, I'm just thinking of this now. What if Whisper is like you said, past monarch? What if he's actually from off world? And how they have sacred beasts and whatnot. What if he's a um, like a, a white fox path user that ascended and came back, but because he can hide, he's never been like approached by heavenly messengers for interfering with Cradle's uh, world. Kind of like how Lee Markuth did in the beginning, and they're like, "You're not allowed." Well, he Whisper's been there, maybe because he can hide. I don't know, and he has an illusion of himself. And Whisper doesn't really interfere too much. You know, he's not no. taking direct control. He's kind of just, I'm the clan elder, you know, mm-hmm. I'm here. Yeah, he's not trying to, yeah, like you said, control everybody. Um, I do think Zeal is going to die in this book. We're finally going to get a bigger death by the Dread God somehow trying to save people just like he did when the, the Dawnwing. So, That's something. cool. I mean, look, it, it would be cool. Of course, I would hate to see Zeal go. No, I hope I that... that... I hope that Zeal does go, that, that it's one of those, like, you know, super cool, kind of like, I'm going to take on all comers, like, I'll seal the past while everybody escapes type of thing. That'd be, right. you know. Again, you shall not pass kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my prediction, I think, that. And I have one last weird one. Um, I think the Vroshir have a world seed in the Subject 1 Labyrinth. I'm not saying it's, it's like, a part of it. I think, like, hid, somewhere hidden down there, maybe they have some kind of sacred treasure. That's like his equivalent to the world seed, maybe. I don't have a reason for it. I'm just thinking you already have a bunch of vaulted stuff down there. Maybe something off-world is like, hey, why don't we hide it over here? So maybe something's down there. What do you think, Chesky? Oh, I, I, that's a good idea, I think. I just, had, I just had a thought as we were talking about it. Sure. A very crazy uh, take. 
Hit us. And I, I want just you to forgot it. Let me give me one second. I'm sorry. Okay, so we were talking about the world seed. No, I remembered it now. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I think Linden, because of his consume technique and his hunger madra, he might actually be immune to the Sacred Valley script now that he's advanced and has that skill now. Because oh. if it uses hunger madra to drain you, yeah, you know, he could potentially fight against that. With to, his own probably skill. to a level, like probably not as. Or, or wait, or let's play off of what 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 just he's saying. Maybe not right. either off, but but we have North he's, he's resonant with the script, right? Mm-hmm. So the script the script will recognize Linden as part of the script itself. So he would be unaffected by it. That's a good idea. I like that. Yeah, okay. I, I like your turn. Your take. Your turn on it. Yeah. So he might be like John Carter or something. He'd be the Superman of the Valley. He'd be the only one that isn't being suppressed by the script, possibly. And then yeah. I would assume uh, North Strider as well, if North Strider d- decided to uh, visit as well, which I don't know if we're going to see much of him in this book, but we could. I know he's, I don't know, kind of unpredictable as far as his personality, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, I think if he did, if Lyndon is definitely immune, I would say North Strider is as well. Well, I don't think it's something that he's going to be naturally immune to. I, I kind of like Chesky's point. I think he's going to have to work at it and kind of discover okay. it, and then that's so, a, I, I like I like that idea. I like that. So, what if um, we get back into Sacred Valley with this book? Lyndon is struggling, but he's not as suppressed as everybody else. And they put together that maybe North Strider could actually kill a Dread God while they're maybe being suppressed or something like that in this valley. And I feel like maybe North Strider comes in later. Uh, do we know that the? I mean, I guess we kind of know that the the field would weaken a dread god as well because that's that was their plan the last time as well. Correct. But I don't know if that's a hundred percent confirmed that we know that it will affect a dread god. Yeah, well, I, I'm going. I'm going to assume the implication is true because I think the script d- directly over the plot of the dread gods is kind of an inferential oh. kind of thing of. Mm-hmm. You're you're 100 percent right, Eric. 100 percent right. I think it's I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree with the brochure. I think Cradle is way way too important to the Abaddon. It's kind of like the the Cradle for their warriors that they okay. would have detected any brochure presence and would just. So I'm yeah. going to disagree with your your prediction. Okay, Devil's but you could advocate. be right. It could have hidden. Right, right. Devil's advocate. What if Whisper is a brochure and that's why he's, he's infiltrating because they can't see him because he's got all those illusions going on. I don't know. I don't know. That was just devil's advocate. I don't know. Could be. I don't expect it to happen, but uh, that'd sure be interesting. Okay. All right. Do we have any more predictions? Anybody got something? Any other hot takes? Sorry, I'm no? all out of hot takes now. Hot takes? Well, I feel like we provided a, a decent amount of hot takes, and I think that is going to wrap up our episode for today. So we want to thank Craig for loaning us a little corner of your media empire. You can join us on Reddit and Discord, but frankly, more in Discord. We, uh, we're a lot more active over there. We want to thank Horizon Brave for starting this. And uh, yeah, this has been the Legendary and Green Team Winter Steel episode. Join us next time for the retrospective.